It's time for the Charlotte FC Podcast. Block, Tuzbiak's going to get it back. Westwood, rather Vargas, the touch, the finish! Goal, 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 goal! Goal, goal, goal! The Alba, whipped in, good ball! Oh! Christian Kalina, a save to save the season! Welcome, bienvenidos, cheers, bienvenuti. Hey, it's another Charlotte FC podcast. I'm your host, Nick Finelli, and today I'm so excited that you all get to listen to what Adam Parr does. He is the head of performance at Charlotte FC, and I talked to him during the offseason to talk about what he's doing to help the players and how they need to be in the shape that they need to be in, and what his job entails and how he communicates that, and how it's going with the new coach. So take a listen in. You're going to love it. Enjoy Adam Parr, head of performance, Charlotte FC. Do me a favor. Just introduce yourself and what your current role is at Charlotte FC. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. Um, excited to be here. So my name is Adam Parr, and I'm the head of performance at Charlotte FC. Um, and I've been here since the beginning. Um, came on initially as like a performance specialist where I was a dual role of kind of the head strength coach and sports scientist. And then uh, obviously with certain changes and stuff um, was elevated up to head of performance and was that role all of last year and then going into, into this season as well. Cool. So we've been throwing around that, that head of performance and it's, it seems kind of trendy, although it's been, been used for a while. What is, when we talk about head of performance, like what are you really doing? Yeah, no, it's a good question. I think um, it obviously changes club to club and even sport to sport, uh, depending on what kind of staff you have. But but for me personally, basically the easiest way to say it is um, I'm, I'm responsible for overseeing, designing, and kind of managing the physical development programming um, at Charlotte FC. So um, obviously a, the majority of my role focuses on the first team, um, but I also um, am overseeing those below at Next Pro and the Academy as well. Um, and so that's kind of everything in a nutshell. Um, but, you know, obviously there's certain tasks daily, weekly, monthly, everything is a little bit different, but I kind of, that's, that's the nut, nuts and bolts of it. And so when you say overseeing the, the whole performance and the physical aspects, you're designing what strength and conditioning things they need. Correct. Yeah. So, I mean, basically that it's an all encompassing term, right? Um, you can look at it as, everything that the guys need from a, you know, a physical standpoint, as far as like, you know, before training, if they're working on certain pre-training things, like, you know, we call it prehab, um, mobility type of things like that, injury prevention, um, running mechanics, change of direction, mechanics, acceleration, deceleration, um, a lot of that stuff. And then you can look into like, obviously, um, some people may see me, you know, on the field, obviously it matches. So being responsible for designing, um, and implementing all of the warmups every day for training, but also for for match day. Um, and then how do those warmups tie into what we're doing on field for the day? You know, if it's a smaller space day, making sure that we are getting in the acceleration, deceleration, change of direction stuff um, to get them prepped for that. If it's a bigger day, 
making sure that we're getting you know high speed running, sprinting, things like that as part of the warm up or as part of the pre training activities. Um, also designing and, and kind of overseeing the speed development program throughout the course of the season, but obviously at every level and then all, and conditioning programs, you know, not just in preseason, but throughout the season, you know, we'll continue doing certain conditioning things. Um, and also taking a look at <clears throat> all of the gym programming, kind of coming up with the overall philosophy and, and how it's going to be. And then obviously, um, Pete Gorka works with us and he's got, he's our strength coach. And so he'll, he'll take the, the, real nitty gritty part of the strength uh, program in the gym and really mm -hmm. program that out. But it comes from an overall kind of um, annual plan that um, I kind of give to him and say, here's how we're going to do it, how we're going to tie all these things together. Um, and then along with that, I'll, I'll assist our athletic trainers with end stage rehab on the field. So, you know, um, whether it's designing the drills, running the sessions or helping them or even just helping them um, determine what drills they need. So, the players can get whatever specific metrics they need to get that day. If they need to get a certain amount of high speed running or sprinting, or again, accelerations, decelerations, things like that. Like how do we do that? Or how do we do things at a certain intensity? So looking at the data. Um, and so the past two seasons, I've also really done, um, looked into a lot of the sports science stuff, obviously. So the, the GPS data every single day, um, utilizing that to help program, uh, each session for the day with the coaches, you know, and, and, and John McGregor, who's my supervisor kind of being in with the coaches and they're the ones who mm -hmm. decided, but what are we looking at from a loading standpoint? And then during training, looking at it live to see what guys are um, getting so that if we need to top them off as, as we say, so that they hit specific daily targets, looking at all that, reporting it to the coaches, the key, the key stakeholders, et cetera, looking at things from a weekly standpoint, monthly, you know, a six week cycle, and then kind of designing the whole overall plan. And really it's how does all of that fit together? You mm -hmm. know, cause you can do one thing here and then one thing here, but if they don't mesh, you know, then there's no reason to really do either one cause they're going to conflict. So it's really kind of taking all of those different layers of physical development. And then how do we make sure that each one um, works together in a kind of a sequential order. And, and that can be day to day, week to week, things like that. Um, mm -hmm. And then similarly, like I said, kind of managing um, our performance coaches at Next Pro and the academy as far as making sure that they're doing things is similarly to, to the first team with the different logistics that they have to face um, and trying right. to make sure that we kind of have a one club um, mentality where we're all trying to do the same thing so that as players move up and staff potentially move up, you know, it, you're not having to learn different things. It's a very seamless transition. That's pretty cool. You mentioned a lot of different things in there that that you do. Uh, one of them that caught my eye was the speed performance. And can you kind of walk us through like uh, what your mindset is when you're thinking like, okay, of course, you know, everybody can always increase their speed at certain things. And I'm mm -hmm. sure it's like footwork, but it's also maybe bursts or maybe it's um, speed, you know, laterally or something like that. Do you like, how do you design and, and come up with something like this to really help each individual player? Because they have strengths and weaknesses in areas. Yeah, so I think um, there's a couple different ways to answer your question. So the first thing is taking each individual player and kind of what we do, would term like a needs analysis. What, do, what, are, what are their strengths? What are their weaknesses? And then what also do they need to uh, improve on? based on what our coaching staff is saying, you know, on field, but also based on what the player is saying, you know, because they know their body better than any of us. Right. So sitting down with them, getting a needs analysis from kind of all of these different um, parts and putting them together in a whole, and then 
okay, if we do need to focus on, you know, change of direction ability, things like that, then that can be something that we drip in for that player over the course of the week when they're kind of pre-training activities. Um, so not only are they doing mobility and things like that, but they're doing certain activation exercises. They're doing stuff on our turf, you know, um, that can be change of direction mechanics. It can be resisted, things like that. Um, and so if we're doing that over the course of the, the week, week after week after week, month after month, then, you know, we're progressing them. Um, and so then it's it's on myself and, the, and then Pete Gorka um, and then, additional staff as well to kind of come up with that plan and how do we progress that and then how do we program that and put it into their daily weekly you know um, programming and so that's one way to do it and then the other the other way is also kind of team-wide um, and that's more in the sense of everybody does similar things you have your own individual mm -hmm. stuff you need to work on based on your needs analysis or injury prevention space you know specifically for guys who have previous injury history um, on, in certain areas, but then we can also have team-wide stuff that they need to do on certain days, again, that fits with what the um, goal of the session is for that day. So, you know, so if, <coughs> excuse me, if um, the session is a bigger session that day, um, big spaces, so we're, you know, the physical target is going to be more high-speed running and sprinting and things like that, right? So we can have, you know, individual players can be doing their individual programming that they have um, for to address their needs and to address their in injury prevention, injury history, et cetera. But also mm -hmm. team-wide, they can be doing certain things that are going to help them in their sprint mechanics, their acceleration mechanics, things like that as part of their pre-training um, so that once they go out on the pitch, they've already kind of activated a lot of those muscles and everything. And they've kind of got that micro dosing in um, that again, mm -hmm. we're working on that week after week after week, month after month and kind of programming that out to progress. Um, and then, so you don't have to necessarily do that as part of the warm up. You can get them right into the actual change of direction or the actual high speed running in this, the example I gave. So um, it's kind of a combination of both, um, but mm -hmm. we program that out, you know, like I said, like almost the entire season. So we'll, we'll break things into blocks, um, you know, kind of six week blocks and we'll have you know certain focus for change of direction for high speed running for sprint mechanics for that six weeks and kind of progress that and then the next and then we kind of progress it to the next evolution of whatever we were doing there team wide and the next and then we'll kind of do that on an individual basis as well to address any needs so um we really try and hit it from all angles um to yeah. make sure the guys are physically developing but also we're not really overloading them like doing a ton of stuff on one day you know, it's kind of dripping it in throughout the week based on what the session um, plan and the demands are for that session. So it sounds like to me when I hear that, it's like it sounds like body performance needs is really no different than what we're doing or what we should be doing in our schools is where you have, you know, somebody's kind of facilitating, guiding. They're giving certain people more practice with this. They might get some pre-practice. Everybody's going to get moved together on certain things that everybody has to do but you're still working on all these different things over time and you have a plan. Yeah. Um, does that kind of sum it up? Yeah, no, I think that that's a, a perfect analogy for it. You know, like, like I said, we're coming into to starting this new season, you know, and, you know, we've already been working on basically our entire annual plan for 2024. So obviously the schedule came out recently. So able to plug that all in and then kind of look at what are we looking at from home games, away games, you know, international breaks all stuff and we plug we have a whole kind of database that we plug everything in and say okay here's each 
six week block, you know, so to speak. And mm -hmm. what are we focusing on from, you know, acceleration? What are we focusing on from deceleration? What are we focusing on from high speed running or sprint mechanics? But then also in the gym, like what's our focus, you know, cause we have certain things and then making sure that everything kind of marries up and then all of it. And then also what are we doing from our on field, you know, looking at our GPS metrics and things like that so that we're progressing the guys. And then also what are we doing conditioning wise? And you we literally have kind of, a rough guideline for the entire season and then we'll um, go on and plan each kind of six week cycle in much more minute details you know as it gets closer and closer so that we're really making sure that we're um covering all our bases and, and not leaving any gaps so to speak for the team but also for each individual so i want to get into probably what changes when you have new managers and new kind of thoughts so i'm going to get your thoughts on on what's happened already with uh with coach with the manager dean smith but when talking about a drill just so other people know like let's say there's you know you will bring speed back up again what specific things would i see somebody doing knowing that hey they're working on acceleration or something like that what what kind of things would they be doing so i mean i think it's a good question if you want a really a really simple way to break it down acceleration versus like max speed is basically like anything that you see where the guys are having to you know accelerate or run run fast 20 meters and and less is going to be working mm -hmm. on acceleration anything larger than that is really more working on you know max speed top end speed things like that so it's a really simple way to break it down because um you know you can't get to max speed within 20 meters it's just it, it's almost you know impossible um maybe usain bolt who knows uh but <laughs> So when we're working on smaller space stuff, like, you know, 10 meters, five meters, 15, 20, whatever, that's all acceleration work and it's different phases of acceleration. Um, and also you can be working on acceleration from different stances, right? So you can be facing one way and have to turn sideways to accelerate, you know, or turn, you know, push off one side and, and change direction, accelerate the other way. But it's all smaller spaces, whereas speed, like max speed, as you want to call it, absolute speed is, as we like to term it is anything that's going to be like 20 meters or, and farther. So if you see certain drills where the guys are having to run, you know, really far, you know, that's obviously we're working on, on max speed. Um, and then the shorter ones are, are acceleration. And a lot of times you'll see shorter ones that we're working on a combination of both acceleration and deceleration. Cause that's a often something that people don't realize is, you know, it's a lot easier on the body to accelerate fast to, 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 go quickly but it's very difficult mechanically on the body to stop very quickly right and a lot of injuries happen actually when in that deceleration phase and so we need to make sure that we're not just having them accelerate and then they just kind of continue on and 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 come to a slow stop but we're having that we'll have specific things where we're having them stop you know on a dime or stop and then push off and accelerate the other way you know and trying to make it as sport specific as possible but teaching them the mechanics of not only when you accelerate, this is how you need to do it and from this position, but also when you decelerate, these are the positions you need to get into so that you're doing it in a safe manner. And you're teaching the body how to do it so that in the game, when it's chaotic and you're not thinking about, I need to do this to stop slow, you know, quickly and push off, you just automatically do it because of the muscle memory. And so I think that's um, that's a key thing is we're, we're often working on both of those things at the same time, but people don't necessarily realize that and it could even be change of direction as well. Right. So. All this is being done on this, you know, the back end kind of we're not seeing this, but we do see stuff or the fans do see things during pre-match training and even post-match 
there's, you know, performance things being done then too. Can you talk about what a fan might see to know like, hey, they're working on this specific part pre-match. And then at the end of the, the match, you see a lot of players sprinting and doing things and y'all are measuring stuff. Can you talk about both of those two? Yeah, absolutely. Um, pre-match is, it's pretty simple. It's just, I mean, it's a, it's a, a warm-up, um, but there is a structure to the warm-up, you know, and it follows anybody who, you know, might have any experience or have taken classes in, in strength conditioning or, you know, kinesiology, exercise science, like might know general, but it's called the ramp-up protocol, but it's basically raising, you know, the um, blood pressure, or I mean, sorry, the temperature, um, activating the muscles, you know, doing some mobility and then what we call potentiation. Um, so it really, you'll see, you know, the starters um, in one area and then like kind of the non-starters in another area and doing similar things, but obviously the starters are doing it at a much more uh, intense rate because they're, they're, they need to ramp up and, and get into the game. Um, so we'll do certain things like movement skills and, and we call dynamic stretches. So it stretches within movement instead of what how you would term a static stretches where you're just standing, like, you know, bending over, reaching for something. Um, so stretching within movement to, to open them up um, and work on their mobility and then moving, you know, they'll be shuffling sideways, forward, backwards, all different things. And this is all just to kind of, um, again, raise their, their temperature um, of the muscle, activate certain muscles, and then to, you know, kind of open up the, their mobility at the hips, ankles, knees, you know, et cetera. Um, and that's all just kind of in that initial phase um, where they're just moving around and kind of going back and forth. And then the next phase is kind of getting a little bit more sport specific. So we start doing a little bit, I'll term it fast feet, but it's, that's, it, that's not really a scientific term. It's just more um, to get them moving a little bit quicker. And then with a little quick burst out of it, acceleration with a deceleration. Um, and so again, we're getting a little bit more sport specific, but they're still not going at a super intense rate. And then the next phase will be true change of direction, acceleration, deceleration, where they're going back and forth and then accelerate or forward and back and accelerate really hard. So again, it's getting progressively more and more intense um, as the as the warm up is going along. And then we'll finish it with um, them opening up and getting some high speed running into some sprinting so that, you know, their posterior chain and their hamstrings, et cetera, you know, they've gotten that in before the match because you don't want the first time that they go to run fast be you know the first minute of the match you want them to have done it beforehand so that again all those muscles are activated and, and whatnot and so that's right. kind of that's where injuries happen right exactly you know so that that's that's kind of the basis of the of the pre-match you know and that's all happening in like seven minutes right um so it's mm -hmm. very quick but it has a very structured um way behind it and then obviously they get into all the footballing um stuff with the technical coaches um and then I'll take the the non-starters, you know, same thing. Like during a game, you see, um, obviously over in the corner, I'm warming up the the non-starters and I take them through the same protocols, right? It's just a little bit more drawn out because they don't need to do it in seven minutes and go in. And unless I know I've been told like, hey, mm -hmm. they're going in at this minute. So we need to make sure that they're ready to go. But it'll just be a little bit more drawn out. But they'll go through the same progressions that the starters will have gone through, you know, because it's ticking all those boxes. And they might even do a little bit of extra stuff because we have much longer in the second half, you know, obviously to do it. Um, right. So, and you don't want to have them warm up for 45 minutes. Right. So they'll do a few things with a little bit of a rest and a few things, with a little bit of a rest, you know, so that, mm -hmm. uh, you know, they're not super tired going into the game. Um, and then after the match, when, when fans see everybody, you know, a lot of times you'll see guys running. Right. Um, so basically what we're doing there, <coughs> excuse me, is um, we're trying to get their, high speed running and sprinting in that they need um, because they didn't get into the game or they only got in for a certain amount. So 
anybody who kind of plays less than 30 minutes um, is going to need to be topped off. And so, like I said earlier, we're looking at all the GPS metrics, um, you know, daily, but also weekly. So we have weekly loads that we want for every single player, right? Based on the, mm-hmm. it's all based on their match loads, which we get when they, when they play. Uh, <clears throat> and so we have certain ratios that we want for their total distance for the week, for their high speed running for the week, for their sprint distance, et cetera. And so going into the match, you know, obviously knowing the non-starters, I'll have a, I'll have a list of everybody and what they need to get to keep them within mm-hmm. a certain range that we want to make sure that they're not, you know, going to be overtrained, obviously, um, if they've had a really right. crazy week or, but they're not going to more importantly be detrained um, because it's really easy for the players who don't start regularly to slowly, you know, detrain over the course Slip. of the season. Yeah. And then when they are called upon in a match, they can't withstand the demands, you know, whether it's conditioning wise or they can't withstand right. the demands and potentially get injured. So we want to tick them off and, and, really in our, what we call our intensive metrics volume wise. So it's our high speed running, our sprinting, you know, those are the ones generally where a lot of people will get injured. So if we can keep those in a certain range every single week, then we, we know from research and and experience that that decreases the likelihood of their injuries, um, especially hamstring, which is the number one injury for, for soccer players. So that's why we're doing the running afterwards is we'll have them do you know, their conditioning, but it's to get a certain amount of high speed running and then we'll have them do some sprints as well. Um, and you'll see them in kind of different, um, almost gates, you know, there's like four different groups basically. And that's based Mm -hmm. on their, their fitness level and their conditioning and whatnot. And so they're doing the same thing, but they may have to go different distances because some guys are, you know, much faster than other guys or or more fit or whatever. So to get the same adaptation, you know, they need to be, doing different distances instead of just doing the same thing because it'll be too easy for some people, but too tar- hard for others. Um, so that's kind of why we separate it out that way and, and, and why you'll see the fans will see you guys running after the game. It's not, it's never as a punishment. Um, and, a, and a lot of times the guys don't want to do it, but you know, we have that, that talk very early on. So they know the expectations and um, why, you know, and um, mm-hmm. you know, I think at the end of the day that they're, they're probably, they won't admit it at the time, but after after the fact, they're probably thankful that, that we're doing that so that they do stay, you know, as conditioned as possible right. and, and ready to go, you know, and, and hopefully keeping their injury level down. And it helps you all just know, you know, what adjustments you might need to make. Exactly. Because they didn't, didn't they? You're not getting that data during their performance because they weren't out there. Now, if we see somebody on those end lines there, and you know, you're you're working with them getting ready. Would there be a noticeable difference to a fan to be like, oh, he's definitely coming in or not really? No, no. I mean, <laughs> in, unless <clears throat> unless somebody runs down to me and says something and, you know, right. I, I have to go tell and the player. You and notice I, somebody, yeah. And all of a sudden he's the only one who's doing something while everyone else is just kind of chilling, doing some mobility right. stuff like, I mean, that. But yeah, aside from that now, um, because a lot, of, a lot of times I don't know, you know, it's it's the coach's decisions and they'll change, you know, and it's my job to make sure that everybody is ready to go. Um, when they, mm-hmm. you know, when we might be potentially making a, a substitution, um, because I don't want to be caught off guard and not have had one of the guys do something that somebody else did, assuming that someone was going to go in. And then all of a sudden the manager changes his mind and then someone else goes in and then they're not ready and they get injured. Right. So that, that, that reflects, that would, that would reflect, you know, very negatively on me. So I want to make sure that everyone is, is as ready as, as possible. Right. So uh, I guess looking at the players, do you, because 
this might not be their favorite thing to do because they want to just kick the ball around, I'm sure. Um, are there certain type of, not incentives or like, but do you like gamify type thing? Do you, do you have them like be like, okay, you're trying to beat this. And then they're, they're working against themselves. Like, do they know that in their head? Like, oh, I got to beat this, you know, and then they work on the next one. Okay. I got to do even better. Yeah. I think there, there are certain times when we definitely do that. Um, and I think we're going to continue to do that even more this coming year, obviously. So we do a fitness test and so they have their, <clears throat> their score from that. And we'll try and do that a couple times throughout the year so they, they can see that all the conditioning, everything we're doing is actually is continuing to, to help um, and know that they're doing better. Um, <clears throat> we sometimes we'll, we'll track certain um, runs and things like that so that they can see, you know, where they're at. But, but max speed is one that's really um, easy to kind of have them understand that everything that we're doing from a physical standpoint is translating to the field, you know? Um, so we, we uh -huh. have the conversation with the guys early in the, in the year saying, you know, we're not just having you do this to do this, like what we're doing and why it's individualized is to help you specifically work on the things you need to work on, but also to help you continue to get better throughout the year physically. Uh, and, and a really easy way is when, you know, whether it's in a match or, or in training, a guy sets a new max speed, you know, and, and let them know afterwards or even in the moment because we were tracking live during training. You know, you can see a lot of times as, as there are certain guys, especially where kind of light goes on like in their face where like, oh, really? I like I hit that. Oh, that's all. You know, and it's like, yeah, man, you just hit a new like you just hit 102 percent. Like your new max speed is right. 9.5 instead of 9.42 you know, or whatever it was. Right. And and they're mm -hmm. kind of like, oh, that's awesome. And then you can, can continue that conversation and like. You know, that's why we've been doing X amount in the gym and doing this and working on that because like you're going to continue to get better. And so I think that's a really simple way to kind of not necessarily gamify, but have them compete against themselves. And then right. in in the gym, um, we have uh, this new technology that we added to <clears throat> when we moved into the new facility at each rack. It's a camera based system that tracks mm -hmm. the velocity that the players are moving um, the bar or, or the, the weights at um for certain exercises and it's it's really really cool it's awesome the guys are really getting into it now that they're starting to understand it we're going to use it a lot this year but they can go up to the ipad the green light thing yep, exactly yeah. so they'll hit they'll hit their face uh, on the ipad at their station and then you know hit hit the exercise the camera will move so that it sees them and then they'll do the rep and then it's a bar it's basically a bar graph and it, you know we have a certain speed zone that we want them to hit based on whatever mm -hmm. period of the year it is, whatever at, you know, specific physical quality we're testing. And if they're within that zone, you know, it's a blue and it, and it dings. And so they know that they hit it. If it's, you know, above that zone, then it's a red one. If it's below, it's a, it's a red one as well. So they know, you know, if they're doing things too fast, then they need to add weight on. If they're doing things too slow, then they maybe need to take some off because we really want to focus on that speed. But that allows them to see when we have, you know, week after week within a certain block that we're trying to target certain physical um, qualities that if they're going up in weight, you know, and still able to maintain that zone, you know, do it like, again, they're competing against themselves, but also a lot of times, right. you know, they might be competing against each other because we'll have them sometimes lift with people in their same position group or their same developmental status or whatever it is, you know, for mm -hmm. the camaraderie, but also a little competition as well. So, they can compete with themselves, but also with teammates, you know, and so, and that, that makes it a lot of fun because they can see that. Um, and then another thing that we and do, I'm sure you, have to gauge, you probably have to gauge like who, who is amped up by that competition. Whereas who is better, like 
for themselves, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think it, everybody is different motivation, you know, whether it's intrinsic or extrinsic. Um, and so I think uh, in, we have a good sense of, of who um, will be motivated by comp competing with themselves versus others. Um, but I think another another way that we're able to do the same thing, competing th themselves and then also others, is we do readiness monitoring like every week, multiple days. We do certain kind of muscle tests um, to see where the guys are at, like basically to measure their neuromuscular fatigue, make sure that they're ready to go out on the on the pitch that day. And, and we'll do a certain test based on what we're doing that day. If it's small sided versus big sided, like if it's a if it's a big day, we're testing their hamstrings, obviously, because they're going to sprint and things like that. It's mm -hmm. a small day. We're going to test their groin and some other stuff because they're going to be doing a lot of change of directions. And, you know, we do that every week and we have a leaderboard up on a, on a computer screen right next to where they test <clears throat> and uh, put it up on a TV as well. And so they instantly, as soon as they test, it goes into the system and it shows what their score was and it shows the leaderboard for everybody, you know, and so they're seeing where they're at against the rest of the players that day. Right. But then also, you know, they're tracking every week where they're at with that. So they're able to see if they're continually getting stronger in those areas as well. So it kind of serves the same purpose. So can you talk a little bit now about your, if you've had conversations with Dean Smith, because I mean, you guys are, are separate. It's not like Dean, you know, brought you in. It's, it's a separate unit and we've had a coaching change and coaches want different things and look for different things. What if, what have you noticed so far and what are you going to be focusing on that you could tell me? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I had some conversation with Dean and, you know, kind of just gave him a little overview on, on what we're doing and everything. But, um, you know, we, ask some questions, different things, you know, what is he looking for and this and that. And, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty standard. It's not anything that's, you know, going to blow anyone away. So um, it's more getting on the same page, making sure that we understand exactly what he and, and, and the rest of the coaching staff are going to expect from the players, from us, but also from specific position groups, you know, it, depending on how we're going to play things like that, you know, um, are there different expectations for wingers um, versus what was expected last year? Is there different expectations for center back so that we can make sure that we're focusing on those things and helping to train those things, you know, physically both in the gym and on the field. So John McGregor, my boss, um, you know, we'll have a lot of conversations with him revolving around all of those things and then, you know, kind of bring it back to us and then we'll plan everything. And then he will kind of take it to him and say, you know, here's, here's everything. But in the initial conversations, you know, he was a really great guy and and really um, liked everything that we were discussing and kind of excited to work with us and see see how we're doing. And obviously, he's he's coming from you know places where they have very high level uh, performance staffs, you know. And I've reached out and talked to a few people, and uh, you know, so he's going to have you know, high expectations, which is great for us. It's a good challenge and for us to continue to keep getting better and and, and keep improving. And I think. Overall, we're just all really excited to, to, to get to work and to get to work with him and um, really make sure that we're helping complement everything that he's trying to do. So the guys are healthy, available, but also performing at an optimal level when they're on the pitch so that we can, you know, win games, you know, and hopefully win trophies. And I think that's that's kind of the, the main thing for us, you know, uh, in initial conversations. And, and we'll get deeper into those in the next couple of weeks. Cool. So, Adam, where are you from originally? Uh, I'm actually from Sacramento, California. Uh, okay. Yeah. So not not exactly close to, to home. <laughs> well, I noticed. Um, so for those of y'all don't know, Adam's got a history in in soccer. He was a uh, an intern at Chivas when they first started, but then 
like they went out and I guess you, you did kind of stuff on your own in, in Los Angeles area, as far as like fitness and conditioning, just privately. Yeah. So, um, I did my undergrad at San Diego state in kinesiology, um, initially wanted to be a physical therapist and initially like mm -hmm. wanted to kind of had a goal of like, I want to be a physical therapist for the U S men's national team at a world cup. Like that was kind of even back in college. Carson, you're close to that. Yeah. yeah so, I mean, I, I played, you know, my whole life, um, won a national championship my senior year of high school and kind of went to go play in college and not really, you know, injuries and stuff like that, but knew I wanted to stay close to the game. So um, that was my major and wanted to do that. And then once I got out of um, undergrad, kind of had some um, reflections and realized I didn't really want to do physical therapy, um, worked in a lot of PT clinics and wanted to focus more on the performance side. And was able to get um, th through a um, sports medicine clinic. I was working at um, an internship at Chivas USA. Um, God, I, this must have been 2010, 2011, 12, somewhere <laughs> around there. I can't even remember. A while ago, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that. most of the people who listen to this probably don't even realize what Chivas USA is. Um, right, for, those, right. for those who don't, it was the previous iteration of LAFC, basically. The owners bought yeah. Chivas, folded it, and then a few years later rebranded as LAFC. Um, but... Anyway, I, I started there and really just I was a sports science intern and I had no idea like the um, my mentor who was the strength conditioning coach there, his name is Jim Liston. He's at Galaxy now as um, the director, uh, the senior director of player performance, innovation, et cetera. Like he's he's an OG. He's been in the league forever and he's he's fantastic. Mm -hmm. That whole staff was with Toronto when they went on their huge run year after year after year. And he was great. Um, and so I, I went in under him and he basically said, you know, he had a, a computer uh, program that he'd been running with the guys uh, that monitored their heart rate in training. And he didn't have time to really look at the data and make any, you know, action out of it. So kind of mm -hmm. said, you, you have one month to figure this out and make it actionable. <laughs> and, you know, otherwise you can basically kick rocks because I'm not really a fan of interns. And uh, um, so I, I did, and, and I want to be in there for a year and a half. I was, I finished out that season. It was halfway through the season. Um, and then the, the following year I was his assistant um, and really just started with that, you know, sports science stuff. And it was really just heart rate monitoring and kind of utilizing that to look at player loads and, um, planning the week out and drills and all sorts of stuff. And it was like the first exposure I had to anything like that. And I like numbers and like love science, obviously, and kind of had the performance background in kinesiology. I was like, oh, this is, it's actually really cool. And so got really into that. And then you know, as what happens in, in sport, uh, a new owner bought Chivas USA, you know, at the end of that year, let, let go of the whole staff. And so um, huh. I went and worked for him for a bit uh, at his performance center in Pasadena, doing the same thing with some college teams and some local academies. Um, but all the while, even while I was working at Chivas USA, I had my own um, fitness company uh, in, in Beverly Hills. Um, and so... Uh -huh. Anybody who's out there knows there's a gym on every corner, like there is a Starbucks. Um, so I, you know, worked out of right. some what they call training training gyms where you you pay fees basically to utilize it, um, pay rent. Yeah. And I built up uh, a pretty heavy clientele. Um, a lot of um, <clears throat> former kind of PT patients that I'd worked with, um, and but then also started building up more athletic clientele because I was working with Chiefs USA, had a lot of youth athletes, you know, and then started having some college athletes and then pro athletes come to me in their off seasons. And, um, mm. you know, and then, you know, got in with the, had another business that I worked with, with that I sold uh, with some gyms, working with some tennis players and stuff like that. And then kind of got into a celebrity gym and really um, it was, it was pretty wild. I was working there, you know, 
once we finished at Chivas USA and kind of that staff went to Toronto FC, they they kind of said they they didn't have a full time position for me and weren't going to ask me to move to a mm-hmm. new country for that. So um, I, I kept <laughs> doing what I was doing and really it was it was crazy. I was working with celebrities and working in a gym with like some of the biggest names you possibly can imagine walking in there. And I'm like, what am I doing here? Um, but got to work with a lot, a lot of athletes in their off season, which was great. And then, you know, um, you know, housewives and, and, um, you know, bankers and, you know, everyday people right. and youth athletes, like just really, really wide gamut retirees, um, you know, things like that. And built up a, a pretty good business, but always kind of knew that I wanted to get back in the team setting. Um, and so there came a point, um, you know, at, I want to say 2017, 2018, when uh, I decided mm-hmm. I, I was going to leave that, you know, just wasn't super fulfilling for me. It was great, but it wasn't, and I was done with LA. I was done with Beverly Hills and um, mm-hmm. was able to get uh, a role in the USL um, through some connections and, and that I had with uh, San Jose Earthquakes. And so I took took the role there as their, um, initially I was like an internship for six weeks because I was doing my master's um, degree through a university in Australia. Um, and so I could mm-hmm. utilize that as a, to fill out the internship, uh, requirement and then turn into a full-time position. And I was the, the head of, uh, strength conditioning, um, and data analytics. And so I was a one man band there and the strength coach, the fitness coach, and all the on field, um, you know, and the, um, all the data, sports science, everything, like literally just myself and one athletic trainer. And it was great because I was doing my master's at that time. So I was able to kind of take a lot of stuff I was learning and then implement it the next day um, because right. it's a little bit lower level, a little bit less stress. You know, uh, at that time, right. we were the affiliate for the earthquake. So it was kind of like working with the next pro team. Um, and yeah, I mean, just was able to do that and and turn that after two years into going to Minnesota United um, and went on as their assistant performance specialist. I was basically the strength coach. Uh, and that was 2020. So I moved across the country in January of 2020. And then obviously two and a half months later, we all know what happened. (laughs) Right. Uh, right. And uh, so it was kind of like, Oh man, what did I make a mistake? Cause I don't really know anybody here and I can't go out and do anything else. So, but the, the club was, was pretty great. And um, the the players were really great and we worked through it. And obviously MLS is back tournament, you know, happened. And once, once that happened, my boss who I'd worked for um, decided to leave. Um, and also we, our sports scientists had left right at the end of preseason to go to the Chicago fire. Mm-hmm. So it turned into me being a one man band again for, for Minnesota United, which was crazy because it's an MLS team. And all of a sudden I'm again, doing everything, yeah. the only performance person on, on staff at all. But it was great because I had done that in Reno at a lower level. So I knew mm-hmm. I could do it. And, um, you know, we were really successful, made it to the semis of MLS is back. Um, had a good rest of the, that season and then uh, and then made it all the way to the Western Conference final um, that season. All right. Should have beaten uh, the Seattle Sounders. Uh, we were up 2-0 on them with like 14 minutes left. And uh, they somehow came back and, and they scored their third in the sixth minute of extra time. So um, that was a bit devastating, but it was a really great experience. And then the following year continued on. Um, we brought in a big name, high performance director from England uh in 21 and he only lasted about four months and so i went back to again (laughs) doing everything uh which i was used to and then uh, after that is when john gave me a call at the end of 21 you know basically saying i've got a a position that i think would be really good for you um are you interested and the more and more we talked and the more and more i heard about the project it was like yeah you know this is this is a no-brainer i want to go to charlotte fc and so that's kind of how i arrived where i am that's cool 
That's cool. So since you've done a lot of like off-season training, we see players, we've seen videos and stuff, you know, Kalina doing his off-season training. Do they know what they're working on? Like, do you all work with those other personal trainers? Like, how does how does that translate? Because we know a lot of times that's when we see the growth of these players is during their off-seasons, like whatever they worked on, you could tell, you know, like, oh, you know, this is better because they they worked on this. Yeah, I think it's it's a little bit of a, a a slippery slope. Obviously, like I've been in that position, and now I'm in the position mm-hmm. I'm in. The players know what they need to work on. You know, they they meet with the coaches and everything in front office or management before they leave. You know, kind of go over stuff. They meet with us, um, talk about things. We build out their programs. So we have off season programs for everybody, um, both on the field and then also in the gym. Um, and the gym ones are are a little bit more individualized, especially like keepers mm-hmm. like. Lena very different obviously um but and then the on-field stuff is a little bit individualized but it's more kind of putting the guys in buckets based on their fitness level so everyone's doing similar things but again different distances or different times or whatever based on where they're at and so they have access to that at all times um we encourage them to follow that because we've set it up knowing that if they continue that because it's a gradual build over the course of the off season that they're going to come into preseason in, in a good spot because the one of the things is a lot of people don't realize like you know preseason you don't need to be 90 minutes fit coming in day one of preseason like that's what preseason is for right but mm-hmm. you need to be at a, at a maintain a good level in the offseason and gradually build up so that you're prepared for the demands of preseason um so that you don't get injured but also so that you can continue to progress in preseason and make sure that you get to the point where you are 90 minutes fit by the time that the first real match you know comes around um, and so right. players know that they have it. We check in with them, but there is nothing against going and having their own person because I understand it. I guess I've been in that position and I understand from the players too. They're like, you know, our season is the longest season in pro sports, right? Like for, for any pro right. sport by a long shot, right? You know, they come in with, like last year they came in, I think it was January 6th. We started preseason and, you know, our last match was the 25th of October. Right. So right. You know, they get eight weeks basically of, a, of an off season. And that's if you don't go deeper into the, the playoffs, you know, you have some other sports where you get five, six months of off season. So I understand We all understand if they kind of are like, I've been with you guys for 10 months. Like I need my own space mentally, mm-hmm. you know, et cetera. And so as long as they're letting us know that they're doing their own stuff or they're going to see someone, you know, we will, we'll inquire and we'll ask them to, to put us in contact with them. And sometimes they will, sometimes they won't. Um, but, you know, we also want to give them a little bit of freedom to say, you know, if you want to work with your own person, that's fine, but you need to make sure that you come in and you're available to do this or this or this, or at a certain body right. fat percentage, whatever it is, like the goals that we set out before they leave, you need to come in right. at this, or you need to come in ready for this. If you follow our program, we, we're, we're sure you will. But if you want to do your own thing, like that's perfectly okay. Well, they're professionals, uh, so, so I mean, exactly. You, That's you the thing is they them. need to take they need to take it into their own hands, and and we can't always spoon feed. You know, we want to educate mm-hmm. and, and but also allow them to to you know have some freedom, and, and that's a, the off season a perfect time to do that. Um, and they they know if they come in and they're not ready, like they're gonna you know it, it's not gonna be a good thing for them, especially with a new manager. So um, I think the motivation there is <laughs> is pretty easy to sell th- this time of year, but. Yeah, we'll we'll work with some guy, some some people's trainers, but some of them we won't, and that's perfectly okay. Well, I mean, everybody technically everybody has a fresh start. You know, it's like you're starting with a blank slate, so it's like you have to prove yourself or you have to show something because this is the impression that this new coaching staff or you know 
manager is going to see about you, even though everybody else is, you know, in similar roles. I think that that takes an effect for people like you, because mm-hmm. you have to show like, hey, I know what I'm doing. This is what we're doing. This is our plan. But then the players also have to do the same thing. Exactly. So uh, what do you enjoy? Like if you had to say like one thing you enjoy most about this particular job? Uh, wow. I mean, I, I, I'm a nerd for a lot of performance stuff and a lot of data and numbers and stuff. So I love all that. But I mean, I think I'd be lying if I didn't say, you know, it is really cool to be on the field for for matches, you know, growing up, having played soccer my whole life and, and at a uh-uh. decently high level before there was real academies or anything like that, you know, so I was never going to go pro because back then only like 50, the top 50 college players went pro. Right. Right. Um, right. right. It's one of those things like obviously being on, on the pitch and being part of the team, you know, is really great. But I think also another thing that I found at the more and more I've got into it is watching the players succeed is really cool because, you know, we get to know these guys day in and day out, you know, they're not machines. Right. Um, and so we get to know them on a human level and have chats and talk and this and that. And like, what do you, you know, what are you looking for? What do you want to improve on? How do you want to do this? You know, whether it's a contract year or, you know, they want to become a starter or they want to be a national team, like whatever it is, what are ways that we can help with that? And then watching the players who really take ownership of that and and put in the work and then this having the success on the field, or even, like I said, just the little moments of when they hit a new max speed and like the excitement and that things like, I think though a lot of those, um, littler moments are as mm-hmm. i've gotten older are what i've really kind of grown to really appreciate you know on top of getting to be part of the team and being on the pitch and and really work towards you know collective common goals you know for for the team and the club that's cool do you have like a a scary moment from your career something you've either made a decision to do or something that happened and you're like how am i going to handle this <laughs> um oof. that's a really good question I don't know if I if I have like a scary moment. I think, I mean, anytime, anytime a player gets injured, like you're always, it's nature for us in performance and and on the medical side with the athletic trainers to immediately say, could we have done something different? Could we have done like and just start combing mm-hmm. through data, programming, etc. And um, you know, how could I have done this different? Could like is this is this an issue? Did this was this a little bit too much? Was this not enough? But like, I think it's more about that you know, wanting to to perfect all of all of the programming and the loading and everything more so than like a one moment of like, oh, my God, you know, being scared. Um, I think the scariest thing for me probably was initially when I left L.A. to go to Reno, you know, kind of to get back mm-hmm. in the setting again, leaving, you know, a place I've been for eight or nine years and had a really and you're the whole staff. Yeah. I mean, I, well, and I, I, I think um, I had a really thriving, you know, fitness business and and. Beverly Hills and could have just kept doing what I was Somebody doing. Somebody could be like, why are you leaving this? Exactly. And it was just kind of like, no, this is what I really feel like I need to do. And then, you know, going to the USL team, uh, you know, in a smaller city, um, you know, obviously I knew it cause I'm from Sacramento. So it's a little, you know, it's outside of Tahoe. So it's a few hours away. I've, I've been to Reno plenty of times, but kind of just taking that, that leap and saying like, I'm going to go here and I'm going to do this. And this is going to be, you know, a step on the ladder to get to where I want to be, which is back in the MLS, you know, you know, as a performance mm-hmm. coach things like that. I think that was, um, that was one of those things that was kind of a easy to question. Um, but right. in the end, you know, obviously I, I am where I am now. So it, it was the right decision in my opinion, but I think that's probably the only, like, I guess, scary moment where it was just a, right. wondering if this is going to turn out the way I want it to turn out. Yeah. Well, what about, uh, 
you know, you, you talked about early on maybe wanting to work for U.S. soccer. Um, are your aspirations to be like, I want to be like a not only head of performance, but like of all kind of things, kind of like John's role? Um, would that be something you're interested in or you're looking more at like the U.S. soccer level? Would you be interested in going to premiership? Um, I mean, I think yes to all the above, I guess. Um, I'm kind <laughs> of open to wherever my, my my career takes me. I think right now I'm in a, a very, very good place um, in a very good club. And like, you know, I think one of the reasons why I came here was because I'd probably never get the opportunity to do that again, where you go to a club from day one, basically, um, mm -hmm. and get to be part of trying to build the foundations um, of a club and a culture and things like that. And um, if I hadn't have done that, I wouldn't have had the opportunity to help, you know, design the gym for the new facility. Like I never would have thought I would have ever had that opportunity to, 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 right. to, be, a, to be a really big part of designing a gym for a professional sports organization. Right. Um, right. And so John and I really worked a lot on that, you know, which was great and had no idea that that was going to be something I was going to get to do when I came here, but I wouldn't have done it if I hadn't, or, you know, I'm currently like myself and the rest of the performance staff all the way down to the, to the Academy have been building out our like performance kind of development framework, you know, and curriculum of like all the progressions, regressions for everything that we do in the gym at every single level to progress right. player after player. And then also on the pitch with all the acceleration mechanics speed, like, so that we have a full on curriculum of like, this is what we do. This is how we do it year after year after year to develop players within our system. And like, wouldn't have probably had that opportunity because most places you go that have been around, they already have that established to an extent. And like, right. So, so I created almost a whole system. The main thing for me is like, I'm, I'm really happy where I'm at because I want, there are a lot of things like that going on in the club that I'm a part of or going to be a part of that. I want to continue to build out and be a part of building out and help in any way you know, Charlotte FC to become, you know, the best and, and, and a, a powerhouse in MLS. And so I think right now as head of performance, I'm really happy where I'm at. I want to continue to, to do all those things and continue to be the best head of performance I can possibly be. And then if at some point, you know, I'm elevated to a director, like, great, but that can be way down the road. Like I, I, mm -hmm. I'm not too con concentrated on that. Um, you know, if somebody were to try and poach me to go to Europe, like, that might be interesting, but, um, you know, it also be a, a very, very big conversation with my wife, um, you know, and so right there and U.S. soccer is another one. You know, I think um, mm -hmm. I still would love to do that. Like my my current mentor is um, Darcy Norman, who's the, the head of performance for the U.S. men's national team. And he was previously with A.S. Roma and with Bayern Munich and with the German national team. Like so I have somebody really, really who has a lot of experience helping guide me in, in what I'm doing. And so I would love to, to get to that level at some point um, too. But, you know, like yeah. I said, I'm, I'm pretty satisfied with where I'm at because there's still a lot of work that we have to do because we're still, still a startup, you know, this is only our third season. Yeah. Right? So there's yeah. a lot of, a lot of stuff we still need to accomplish um, on the back end and then also on the pitch as well um, before I feel like I'm, I'm really satisfied to, to go somewhere else or do anything else. And, and if I don't ever go anywhere else, I'd be happy to be at Charlotte FC for life. Awesome. Well, we're in our, our last minute here. So there's a fan question that people are always asking, like, hey, ask this question. So is there a player that's always like wanting 
more of the data? Because you said you're kind of like a data geek and looking that. Is there someone that's always like asking, like, what's my data on this? You know, always, I guess, you know, like almost like a, a gym rat. It would be almost like a data person that kind of sees the same way that you see things. Yeah, I think um, there's a few. Yeah. So, I mean, from, from the gym standpoint, like it's probably easy to see, but like Brant and George are always in the gym, um, you know, and that's just, mm -hmm. but, but George, is a, George Marks is always in the gym, but always wants to look at everything and see, you know, we joke and, and call him the, the performance intern um, because you know, <laughs> he, he loves all that stuff. Obviously, I think, I don't know if you guys know, um, but he won like the NSCA, which is National Strength and Conditioning Association, like college athlete of the year, uh, his last year. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, he's really big into a lot of that stuff. And so he'll ask questions. He'll, he wants to know. He he wants to be a part of the process and stuff. So like, and that's in everything on the gym field and everything. Like, so he's one that is always kind of in um, talking about stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so that's an, that's an easy one for me to kind of cherry pick. Um, as far as like the field players, I think it kind of comes in waves. Um, there are certain, mm -hmm. certain players who, who want to look at stuff at certain times, certain players who want to see stuff regularly. Um, and there are certain guys who will ask, um, you know, one of the couple of guys who, who used to always ask, you know, especially about high speed running and sprinting each week, like on our days when you do that. And then also in the match and want to like discuss why, or if it was too much or too little, uh, both Carol and Camille would, would ask a lot. Um, you know, last year mm -hmm. um, on certain times. And so we'd have discussions about that. And there's a lot of players who that Justin Miram was the same. He would want to know a lot of different things. Then he would come to me and want, want to ask more questions is, you know, what do you think of this? Is this where I should be? Is this what, like, should I be doing more? Should I be doing less? You know? Um, and right. so I think there's, there's different players who do stuff, you know, Ashley will, will sit down and we'll talk about stuff at times. You know, he'll, he'll talk with John a lot about what he's doing. Um, and then, different guys, like I said, at different times, we'll want to know. Um, but consistently we'll have conversations, you know, we'll send out, they get a lot of the data, you know, from the, the daily reports and then mm -hmm. the match reports as well. So they get to see um, what they're doing so that, so that they can take ownership and know if it's, you know, what they're normally used to doing, what they should be doing, what they're not doing, you know, right. so um, I think we have a good culture with that and it's only going to continue to improve because we, um, we hired on a full-time, um, sports scientist um, per a, a, it's a new league mandated position. So it's going to take a lot right. of that off of my plate. Um, and so um, Matt is his name and he'll be coming in and, and he's phenomenal and we'll be able to dive real deep with a lot of the guys if they want to know. And so I think we're just going to continue to build that kind of culture and foundation of knowing data, taking ownership of it and wanting to, you know, utilize it in, in the best way possible to, to help the guys out. Yeah, and I see that especially with uh, with injury because if you're trying to battle back, you kind of want to know because you don't. A lot of times you don't trust your body, you know. You're like you think you're doing something, and then your performance is not showing, but you feel good, or the opposite, you don't mm -hmm. feel good, but somehow your performance is is on par. And I think that's always hard with injuries. Yeah, yeah, and and we, our athletic training staff, and and on the performance side, we're really good as far as kind of letting the guys know what certain targets are for the day. Um, with their field sessions when they're doing rehab and whatnot so that they know what they need to hit and what they're hitting and why and what the progressive process is and all that stuff. So, you know, they, they're, again, able to take ownership of it and make sure that they're um, keeping themselves um, accountable as well. It's stoppage time. Do you have a must-do personal ritual? 
Yeah, so before every match, um, I always do a double espresso. It doesn't matter All if we're right. home or away. If we're away, I'll find, <laughs> even if it's a terrible coffee shop and it's terrible espresso. Like I've 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 had to do that a couple times. Um, but you know, that's just my always my ritual about two to two and a half hours before kickoff. Nice. Okay. Uh favorite unplugged activity? I think it's it's walking uh, my dog with with my wife. You know, I think on off days or even at the end of the day, like it's kind of out one of our rituals. I'll get home. Um she works from home, um, thankfully, which allowed us to, to come to Charlotte. And uh, so when she gets off of her calls, if I get home, you know, a lot of times we'll take the dog for a, a long walk, you know, in the late afternoon, early evening. Um, and again, it, like catch up on the day, but also just kind of unplug and not necessarily focus on on work, hopefully. That's nice. Uh, do you have a go-to snack while watching a match, whether you're at match day or you're just watching something on TV? Uh, not while I'm at math, I can't really eat um, while I'm at the match, I'm, like warming the guys up. But uh, I mean, every once in a while, I'll sneak something in, like if I really, really am hungry. But uh, I think if I'm watching something on TV, I don't know, because matches a lot of times are early here. I guess uh, sometimes, like maybe, I guess pretzels. Uh, I, I don't, I don't, mm-hmm. a lot, sometimes you don't have a particular guess, thing. Yeah, it's not like something where it's like, if, like, I'm a, I'm a Chelsea fan and that's terrible mm-hmm. this year. But um, if I, I don't have something that like anytime I'm going to watch a Chelsea a match I, that I just sit, I got to get something and sit and watch it. It's kind of just if I feel hungry, I'll grab something. But if not, no big deal. Right. Right. Uh, do you find starting a project or finishing one more gratifying? Oh, man, I, I, I want to say kind of both, because I think for me, starting a project is really exciting because it's something that potentially an idea that has come to me or, or someone else or a group of us. And we're going to kind of see where we go with it. Um, and, and that's really exciting. But I think obviously like finishing it is, is very satisfying because you've gone through a whole process of doing it. Um, and now it's done and it's kind of like, okay, that is a complete piece of work and we can move on to the next thing. Um, so I don't, I don't know if I can pick one or the other, to be honest. It's the journey, right? Yeah. Uh, in the off season, how do you recharge? Because you're not, a, you can't be on all the time. Yeah, man. To, to be honest, like sleep. <laughs> you know, that's that's one of those things that uh, I think a lot of maybe fans and even people um, in in the company at times don't realize. Like, you know, we travel with the team, and we, you know, like it's nice, yes, to to be on a charter plane and this and that, but we'll get back mm-hmm. at three or four in the morning and, you know, um, your sleep is destroyed that day. And then you got to come right. back into work the next day and, um, you know, or you're at in hotels and can't sleep because there's fireworks and stuff going off the night before a match, or, you know, we're also in super early, like way before the, pl- the players are there and we stay much later than the players. So like, we're, we're working mm-hmm. a lot, you know, and we're, you know, a lot of times it's, we only got, one day off a week if that a lot of times we don't and so it like i think the off season it, it can still be a lot of work especially with this year you know planning a lot of stuff you know with mm-hmm. being to come in but um yeah sleep i think is is one of the best ways and then for me also it's um it's music like just listening to it again whether it's on walk i'll put like i have a record player i'll put records on while i'm like cooking dinner oh, nice um, or while my wife and i are gonna eat dinner um 
I have a guitar that I try and play every once in a while. Um, not not very great, but it's still something to do. And so I think that's another yeah. thing. Or obviously live music. It's is totally different too. from from your other stuff. So it kind of helps break it. Exactly. Is there a particular type of music that you play or listen to? Uh, no, I, I mean, to be honest, I listen to everything. Like, just as an example, yesterday, um, gosh, what was it? We, I was in the car. Um, it was my wife's birthday yesterday, so we went out to dinner. Um, and we got in the car and had a, you know, a rap station on from the nineties and two thousands and Kendrick Lamar is playing. But then earlier in the day when I went for a walk, I was listening to, um, Kenny Chesney cause I love Kenny Chesney country. Yeah. Um, and then I'll play, you know, um, rock music, um, listen to alternative, you know, like mm-hmm. Radiohead's my favorite band of all time. Like, so it's just like, it's all <laughs> over the map, you know, and right, right. water and green uh, queen. And I mean, it's literally kind of everything. The only thing that I'm really not super, super into is, is uh, like house and things like that. Like other than like maybe working mm-hmm. out to it. Yeah. All right. Last question. If you were a current player on Charlotte FC, what player would you most be like? Kind of like their demeanor. Oh man, it's hard. I I don't know if I necessarily want to answer this because I don't want to. If, if any of the players listen to this, I don't want to give them the, the satisfaction uh, of, of saying that, that. <laughs> okay. or or the I guys who don't, who I don't pick. Okay, give, give all right. So crap. let's switch it. Since you since you played since you uh, I understand totally. Yeah. Since you played uh, since you played, what position would you be out there if you if you were on this team, this current team? What what position would you be? Yeah. So I was I was a fullback. Um and especially I, I was a wingback uh, for a while because of the uh-huh. formation we played. Like when we won the national championship, we played three in the back. So I was a wingback. Um, but when I played fullback or wingback, like I was very attacking. Like I would, I would be bombing forward, hitting crosses in, taking shots, et cetera. Like I, um, uh-huh. I used to love watching Ashley Cole play um, when he was with Chelsea, obviously not, not in his time before that with Arsenal. Um, I don't pay any attention to that. <laughs> you just but, associate um, that. You know, I think, I think, in that sense, uh, you know, Nathan and Jalen, I think, uh, just positionally, that's what I played, and, and they both like to get forward. And obviously, Nathan likes to get forward even more. And so, I'd say that was kind of the type of player that I was, um, but obviously, mm-hmm. nowhere near as good as either one of them. You know, in my wildest <laughs> wow. dreams. Well, that's awesome. All right. Well, thanks, Adam. Appreciate your time for being on here and looking forward to a great season. Awesome. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Sure. I hope you enjoyed this interview with Adam Parr as much as I did. I found out so many interesting things um, about his work in L.A. and then basically going back into the MLS and, and kind of starting again and working his way here and just his interest in the data part and how that can help shape uh, athletes today, especially in soccer. So awesome. If you did not listen to my previous episodes with other members of the performance team we still have tyler knight and john mcgregor both of them were on the podcast you're going to get a full picture of what everybody does there so go ahead and listen to those from last season and of course enjoy this and share this uh, with adam wonderful person as always thanks for listening to the charlotte fc podcast please do us a favor and share this episode or another episode you like with a friend subscribe and follow wherever you can and of course join us on x Instagram threads at CLTFC podcast.